This episode is brought to you by OneSkin, which is my go-to for skincare no matter the weather. Because unlike other products that you need to change up with the seasons, OneSkin products are powered by their scientifically proven peptide called OS1, which reduces the accumulation of damaged aging cells. Basically, instead of masking the issues, OneSkin addresses them at a cellular level, boosting your skin's natural barrier to lock in moisture and help protect against the elements. For a limited time, Birthful listeners will get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code BIRTHFUL when you check out at oneskin.co. And I 100% recommend OneSkin. Not only does it make my skin feel, act, and appear younger, but friends that I haven't seen for a while are taking notice and asking, what are you doing to your skin? It is that good. And I also love their expanding line. On a day-to-day basis, I use OneSkin Prep to wash my face. Then I apply their OS1 Eye topical supplement around my eyes and their OS1 Face on my face and neck. Or if I know I'm going to be out in the sun for a while, then I use their OS1 Shield, which has an SPF that prevents UV-induced aging and repairs cellular aging all at once. Easy peasy. Get started today with 15% off using code BIRTHFUL at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with the code BIRTHFUL. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them BIRTHFUL sent you. Help your skin stay younger and healthier for longer with OneSkin. Imagine having a bra that you actually want to wear. And maybe this seems inconceivable if you don't already own a bra by today's sponsor, Honey Love, which has transformed the bra game. With Honey Love, say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love is so comfortable, you may even forget that you're wearing it. Now is the time to spring clean your bra drawer. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash birthful. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash birthful. Now, currently, I have been very partial to my Honey Love Silhouette bra. It is super soft and it has these really lovely 3D printed velvet details that actually add support. And I can even crisscross the straps in the back. Also, like all of Honey Love's bras, it features supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. I can tell you I'm never in a rush to take it off. Plus, Honey Love also has incredibly comfortable shapewear, matching underwear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them Birthful sent you. Treat yourself to honey love. Hey, Mighty One. With nearly 300 Birthful episodes in over five years, it may be hard to know where to begin listening to the show. 
To make it easier, we've put together the Best of Birthful series, which showcases some of our favorite or most relevant episodes. This is one of those. If you enjoy what you hear, make sure you subscribe. It's free and that way you won't miss a thing. Enjoy. Today, I'm so happy to have Canadian pediatrician and renowned breastfeeding expert, Dr. Jack Newman on the show. His website is filled with the most amazing resources and free breastfeeding videos where you can check out, like say, the difference between a baby that is eating well at the breasts and another one that is more of a nibbler and isn't getting that much or what a really good latch look, looks like. It is a fantastic resource. ibconline.ca. All right. Let's get to it. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's so good, good to have you here. So I figured we'd talk about breastfeeding today, breastfeeding newborns. and I, But I'd like to backtrack a bit and start when moms are still pregnant. Like, What are ways for pregnant, pregnant moms to prepare for breastfeeding, to have a successful breastfeeding relationship? Well, Andrea, I think it's very, very important that mothers get good information about how to get started with breastfeeding because those first few days after the baby is born are extremely important. And unfortunately, um, most uh, hospitals in North America, in fact around the world, uh, do not really support breastfeeding in the way that it should be done. Uh, too much emphasis is based on uh, weights of the babies, uh, that sort of thing. and. Too many of the people that work with mothers in the first few days really don't know very much about breastfeeding. So it's up to the mother, I'm afraid, to get the information that they need to help them understand how breastfeeding works, that breastfeeding is not uh, uh, bottle feeding through a different sort of bottle that uh, is attached to your chest, but is something completely different. And so that the idea that breastfeeding is, uh, well, just bottle feeding uh, in a different way uh, has got to go out the window, and the mothers need to get this information. And unfortunately, the uh, people, including the uh, nurses and the lactation consultants, all too often, I'm afraid, and even the uh, pediatricians and neonatologists really don't understand breastfeeding, and they often, too often, lead the mothers the wrong way. And I hear that a lot as a doula from um, my doula clients when I see them postpartum, how one nurse or one, and that they did see the lactation consultant and everybody gave them a different information and a different, you know, suggestion. Well, if everybody's giving different information, then somebody has to be wrong. <laughs> and it doesn't Absolutely. mean that somebody is right. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. It leads to a lot of confusion. Absolutely. So, so you mentioned that um, the breastfeeding relationship at the beginning with the people that support moms are not supporting them, uh, that support is not giving, proper support is not given. How should it be supported? What does good support look like? Well, I think that the first thing is that uh, if the mother is concerned about anything, somebody should be there to help her. Um, and I think that somebody should be there uh, to watch the baby at the breast, uh, somebody who knows what to watch for should be there to watch the baby at the breast. Because even if things seem to be going okay, they aren't always. Uh, and uh, the mother just needs to know, here's how I know my baby's getting milk. And if the mother knows how to know a baby's getting milk, so much is uh, overcome. Uh, we have video clips on our website that show even a 10-hour-old 10 10 baby uh, breastfeeding and getting milk from the breast. 
and how to know that. And unfortunately, uh, in hospital, too many uh, mothers uh, are just being told, well, your baby's lost X percent of the birth weight, so we have to give the baby formula, which is not the way to do it. One needs to be watched if a mother has any sort of problem. If a mother has sore nipples, somebody should be there helping her with the way the baby is latching on because breastfeeding should not hurt. So a mother needs help, and then she needs help right away. And the red light is, I'm sore. The baby is spending hours on the breast. The baby is always crying every time I take the baby off the breast. And if that happens, even within a few hours after birth, that should be looked into by somebody who knows what they're doing. One of the most important things that needs to be done in the immediate postpartum period, immediately after the baby is born, that baby should be dried and put onto the mother's abdomen, skin to skin, and the baby should be allowed to crawl up to the breast and latch on all by itself. And if that happens, and it won't always happen, that's true, because uh, many, so many mothers get medications during the labor and birth and so on. Uh, but if that baby crawls up to the breast and latches on all by himself, there's chances, chances are that there will be no problems with the breastfeeding from then on. And this is something that is miraculous, to watch a baby crawl up to the breast and latch on all by himself. This is something that no mother should be prevented from seeing because it's amazing. Um, so, yes, that it, it's sometimes so hard to do because people want to intervene and want to rub and want to touch and want to adjust and want to move that poor baby. Exactly. And, uh, and, and it's not necessary most of the time. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we are still mammals, meaning uh, that, you know, we're related to moose and, uh, uh, and seals and uh, uh, elephants. And, uh, you know, in the wild, if a baby mammal doesn't latch on all by himself, uh, well, they've got to do it, don't they? If they don't do it, then they will die. And so mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's something that we have inherited we're just because we're at the top of the uh, evolutionary scale doesn't mean that uh, we are no longer mammals, and our babies should be able to do that. So, Jack, you mentioned you have videos on how to know if a baby's getting enough milk. Can you describe that a little bit, or are there, can you? how can a mom know? I know this is radio or this is audio, and we can't you know, show people how, um, but can you describe that a little bit? Well, okay. I mean, it's, it's actually, once you've seen it, uh, then it's obvious. And uh, that's why the, we put on our videos, uh, I, on our website, we, uh, the first video actually shows a one-month-old baby who is drinking very well. And that's the name of that video, is, uh, drinking very well or very good drinking or something like that. And it shows that as the baby opens his mouth to the maximum, there is a pause, and then the baby closes. So one suck is open, pause, close. And you can see that in the baby's chin. And once the mother knows that, she can figure out what it looks like when the baby is, say, only, you know, five hours old, say. And sure, the reason it's not so obvious in a five-hour-old baby is because there's a lot less milk in the first few days. And that's the way it's supposed to be, by the way. And this is a perfect example of how we use bottle feeding as our model of normal. We say, well, you know, the baby uh, would take... 15, you know, half an ounce of uh, uh, a formula if we gave it to them, and that means there's not enough milk. No, 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 no. We are overfeeding. 
babies in the first few days because we think that they need it, but they don't. What they need is to be at the breast and bring in that milk. And anyway, at five hours, the pause is much shorter. But if you look carefully for it, if you know what to look for, you can see it. And if a baby is doing that, then the baby is getting milk. And if the baby is doing it well, then the baby will be fine at the breast with getting only those small amounts of colostrum that the baby needs. Because their stomach is also so tiny at that point. Well, we don't know exactly why uh, nature made it so that... uh, you know, there's very little milk in the first few days, but that's fine. I mean, let's uh, trust nature. Let's trust our bodies and, uh, you know, not go the way of, oh, we can do it better because we're smarter. Oh, we're absolutely. smarter than nature. Yeah, no, no. We, we meddle with it way too much. So, okay, say a mom is, is having pain, is having some sore nipples. Um, the baby's wanting to eat all the time and it is fussy and crying. What can be going on or what should moms be on the lookout for or try to do to change that? Okay, well, the first thing is that the baby is probably not getting a good latch. <clears throat> and there are many reasons for babies not getting good latches. I mean, one is just the, simply the technique. Uh, you know, I mean, what happened in the old days? I mean, and, you know, mothers don't have to latch on babies the way we teach it. And by the way, we teach it differently than most other lactation consultants. Uh, most other people. And I think our approach works better much of the time. Uh, I wouldn't say all the time, but I would say much of the time. And uh, you can see that uh, technique on our website again. Uh, But the thing is that if the baby has a tongue tie, for example, and there are lots of babies that have tongue ties, then the babies will, uh, you know, cause the mother pain and the babies won't get milk well from the breast. Once the milk comes in and the milk is abundant, then uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, the baby doesn't have to have a good latch, uh, although the mother may still have sore nipples. But lots of mothers have breastfed babies with uh, latches that I call suboptimal, and uh, they still do okay because most mothers, if everything goes the way it should, most mothers, the vast majority of mothers, will produce all the milk the baby needs. Most of the causes of not enough milk are not due to the fact that the mother is not able to produce enough milk, but due to the fact that we mess her up, uh, give her bad advice, teach her stuff that she shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, really listen to. So, for example, nipple shields. I mean, I hate nipple shields. I know that people think that it saved their breastfeeding in some situations, but to tell you the truth, there's nothing that a nipple shield does that good technique and good help won't do. And that's why I feel that the nipple shields should actually be banned. I think they're a dangerous product because many babies end up failing to thrive because the babies who are on a nipple shield don't latch on properly, they don't get milk well, and they end up with the mother not getting enough milk. Mm-hmm. It affects the I think relationship. I, went on a, I think I went off on another tangent. Um, but i got to tell you, I love your tangents because you give us so much information in them and bring up these things, you know, because nipple shield, yes. So that's something I see often, and, and, and it's, it's like the go-to solution almost it's the easy go-to fix here have a nipple shield and this this will work and and then moms have to have this thing that's in the middle of their relationship that they have to figure out how to you know deal with it or get rid of it and it's another obstacle 
it is another obstacle. And the problem with it is because it decreases the milk that the baby gets, uh, it makes it even harder to get the baby off that nipple shield. And as I say, there's no uh, reason that I have ever run across where a nipple shield is the best answer. If we can get in there and help the mother with the latching on of the baby, uh, if we can help the mother uh, deal with sore nipples, whatever the cause, then we can get rid of those nipple shields. And even some of the biggest advocates of nipple shields will say that nipple shields, for example, are not the answer for sore nipples. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Dot com, so airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code BIRTHFUL. Hey, Mighty One, as you approach the journey into birth and parenthood, now is the perfect time to make your home a serene and nurturing haven with the help of Home Threads. At Home Threads, you'll discover furniture designed for comfort and functionality, from cozy nursing chairs to versatile baby-friendly storage, as well as a super wide array of options to spruce up any room in your house. Home Threads can help make your home the perfect nest for your growing family and at a great value. I so appreciate that wide range of styles that you can find at Home Threads. For example, I was ecstatic when I found a pair of truly stunning mid-century curved walnut dining chairs that somehow perfectly match my home office chair. I mean, what are the chances? These chairs are not only gorgeous in their light green upholstery, but also super sturdy and just so comfortable. I simply adore them. Explore the amazing finds Home Threads has waiting for you. Go to homethreads.com slash birthful and get a code for 15% off your first order. Do make sure to go to our unique URL of homethreads.com slash birthful to get your discount. Home Threads, love where you live. And you've mentioned a couple of times the 
birth weight. So can we talk a little bit about this obsession with birth weight? What What is actually normal and what should be expected? Because there is, an, again, an obsession with your baby's lost two ounces, you've gained two ounces, you lost it again. That just gives moms lots of guilt and worry. Well, exactly. I think the problem is that uh, uh, basing, especially if we're talking about the first few days, basing, uh, uh, you know, the adequacy of breastfeeding on uh, the baby's uh, weight loss is completely, completely useless and wrong and causes mother's problems. The vast majority of women, we have to admit, in North America deliver babies in hospital, and the vast majority of those mothers also uh, receive lots of IV fluids uh, during the labor and birth. And what that means is that the babies are, the mothers are born overhydrated, uh, sorry, are giving birth, and they end up being overhydrated, right? They, um, uh, mothers often are, have big swollen ankles, big swollen fingers, and they also have uh, extra fluid on board because of all that fluid. And the baby also got a lot of fluid. So he's born extra heavy. And when he's born, he pees out that uh, extra fluid. And of course, then he loses weight. And so basing, uh, uh, basing uh, the adequacy of breastfeeding strictly on uh, the baby's uh, weight loss is already a hazardous thing to do because those babies are losing weight simply because they're peeing. And there are other issues as well. And one of those issues is that the baby is born usually in the delivery room where there's one scale, and then they go to postpartum where there's another scale. And the problem there is that when you weigh babies on two different scales, it's not accurate. Uh, you cannot compare two different scales. So that, for example, we have on our, over our scale in our breastfeeding clinic, we have a photo of a baby who was weighed on one scale and weighed on another scale within a minute, and there's, all, there's 12 ounces difference between those two scales. And we have to remember that the scale is not the word of God. It's made by men and women, and it's uh, not always accurate, and it often hasn't been calibrated properly or hasn't recently been calibrated. But on top of that, on top of that, we have uh, the problem of the mother being overhydrated. So not only are her ankles often swollen and her fingers often swollen, but so are her nipples and areolas. And so the baby has difficulty latching on. So there may actually be a problem. It's not just a problem of the scale or the fact that the mother's gotten so much fluid and therefore the baby pees it off. I mean, uh, there is also the problem that the baby may not be latching on well. And so the mother gets sore nipples or the baby refuses to latch on or the baby latches on in such a way that uh, not only does the mother have sore nipples, but the baby's not getting the colostrum. And so we really, really have to do something. Uh, and I think the answer is uh, that uh, we need to avoid, uh, uh, you know, too many interventions uh, during labor and birth. I mean, I'm not saying that every mother should uh, uh, be able to, uh, you know, birth their baby uh, uh, without any interventions or pain relief or whatever. But, you know, many mothers could do it if they had the support. And the fewer the interventions, the more likely the baby is to get started with breastfeeding really, really well. So I'm curious, 
because a lot of moms are getting all this extra fluid and babies are having, so you have that situation, extra fluid and babies are having a difficulty latching on because of swelling in the breasts and the areola. What is a mom to do? Well, it's, uh, it's the first thing is to, if, if she does not feel, if she's got the information, she knows when a baby is well latched on and when the baby's actually getting milk from the breast, and she feels that's not happening, she should be able to get help from the staff on the postpartum ward. And that's where our whole system fails, because even if a mother is aware of what's going on, the mother often doesn't get the help that she needs. And I think that uh, what really needs to be done is the mothers have to put in the extra effort and unfortunately the extra money and say, look, uh, I want to birth with a doula. That's a plug for you, but I agree with you. And also with somebody who really knows about breastfeeding, and that does not come from hospital staff. Even lactation consultants in, in hospitals sometimes are sort of stymied by the uh, policies that the pediatricians who know nothing about breastfeeding and other staff who often don't know much about breastfeeding, they put these policies in place and, they, and the lactation consultant, even if she really knows what she's doing, which I have to say is not a lot of the time, but even if she knows what she's doing, she's stymied by these policies that say, oh, the baby lost 10% of his birth weight, we have to supplement. And so she goes out on a limb to uh, to uh, um, uh, to help that mother because she can't, because now she's got to give the baby formula. And that's according to the policy. So if I were a woman who, were, who, who felt that she had to deliver a baby in hospital, I would hire a doula and I would hire a lactation consultant who really knows what they're doing. The question, of course, is how do you know they know what they're doing? That's a very, very difficult problem to know. What would you, when do you, or what, not, I guess not specific to weight, but what makes you alarm? Like what, not just 10% weight loss, but what makes you think, hey, no, we do actually do have a real big problem here that needs to be addressed? Well, again, I, I watch the baby at the breast. I uh, help the mother with the latching on and sometimes uh, the, you know, hands on. I don't, uh, you know, I don't sort of do it at the end of the table or the bed. And uh, I do that. And if the baby still is not drinking well, if the mother is still having pain, then we have to go to the next step, which is maybe we do have to uh, uh, supplement the baby. But we do not supplement the babies with bottles or cups or finger feedings unless the baby does not latch on. If the baby is latching on and the baby really, in my opinion, needs to be supplemented, then we will do it. And we will do it with a tube at the breast, with what I call a lactation aid. It's done at the breast. And um, it allows the baby to stay at the breast, to continue breastfeeding and get milk from the breast, but at the same time the baby gets supplemented. And in the first few days, most babies, the vast majority of babies, do not need formula supplementation. What they need is just a little bit of extra fluid. And that extra fluid... Uh, you know, can be just plain glucose water. I know, I know, people say that that can't be done, but I'm telling you it can be done. <laughs> and it's been done since, uh, you know, it's been done for years before, about 20 years ago, when everybody said, oh, it's got to be formula in the first few days. No, it doesn't. 5% uh, glucose water contains nothing that isn't in breast milk, whereas formula contains all sorts of stuff that's not in breast milk, and breast milk, of course, contains lots of stuff that's not in formula. So the tubes, they're just, can you describe them a little bit? 
Well, uh, we have uh, we have a video on our website too that shows what's called inserting lactation aid, and uh, the tube is uh, you don't see the container that contains. In this case, it does contain formula because the baby is about a, I can't remember. I think is about four or five weeks old. Uh, but it does contain formula, unfortunately. The mother's been using it for most of the time the baby was born. And uh, so we uh, so we have a container. It has a supplement. Uh, in some cases, it's uh, the sugar water if the baby is under three or four days of, old, of age. Uh, it's formula if the mother doesn't have any expressed milk or it's her expressed milk. And in some cases, it's donated breast milk from a... Uh, you know, human milk for human uh, uh, babies. And uh, it's a, so we have the container, and from the container there's a tube that is a long, flexible tube that enters into the baby's mouth while the baby is on the breast. And I would recommend that people go to our website and see that one that's called Inserting Lactation Aid because it also shows how to avoid bottles, finger feeding, spoon feeding, cup feeding. Any feeding off the breast is not as good as breastfeeding uh, and supplementing at the breast. So basically, to to summarize, if a mom is having any kind of pain and the baby is not latching well, then no matter what kind of advice that mom has gotten, the idea is that she should continue looking for better advice. Absolutely, and the sooner the better. I mean, uh, so what is so discouraging for us when we are at the clinic is that we uh, see so many mothers who are coming in for the first time to see us, you know, uh, six weeks after the baby is born or even longer than that. I mean, I believe very strongly. I mean, a lot of these mothers get a lot better. I mean, you know, they, 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 the pain goes away. We manage to fix the insufficient milk supply and all the rest of the stuff that they're coming in for. But boy, it would have been so much easier if we had seen them when the baby was five or six days old instead of six weeks or eight weeks or ten weeks old. Mm-hmm. Because then the problem has snowballed from maybe like a bad latch to bad latch with uh, milk supply problems and transfer problems, And would you say? Exactly. Yeah. So moms need to get there in quick and know that their intuition if it shouldn't hurt, and if it's hurting, then keep at it. Keep working instead of just, oh, the doctor just said, you know, I need to supplement. Yeah, just tough it out. Yeah, you just tough it out. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, and, and I have to say that, uh, uh, you know, if pediatricians are honest, they will admit that they learned absolutely nothing about breastfeeding in their entire training. Most pediatricians wouldn't know a good latch if they uh, fell over it. They wouldn't know if a baby's getting milk, and they often don't even want to know. And much, and you know, and many pediatricians and family doctors. I'm not a. I'm talking about everybody. Obstetricians as well uh, get most of their infant feeding information from formula companies. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it the normal. That's what makes it the normal, and that's what makes it so wrong, because <laughs> feeding a baby formula in a bottle is nothing like breastfeeding. And I don't care who many, how many people are going to write in and say, Dr. Newman is an anti-bottle. Yes, I am actually an uh, anti-bottle. And unfortunately, and I should put this to anybody who is listening, is that what the one thing that will make breastfeeding work better in the United States is that women get decent maternity leave. It's appalling 
you're probably amongst the worst in the whole world with regard to maternity leave. And the people that are most against uh, extending the maternity leave are the, those politicians who never stop talking about family values. Uh, it, it's appalling. Uh, your northern neighbor, that's Canada. Uh, mothers have one-year maternity leave. And if that's the case, they never need to use formula. They never, well, I mean, unless they're having difficulties with breastfeeding. But if they're breastfeeding, fine. They never have to use a bottle. They never have to use formula. They just, they never have to pump, for goodness sakes, because, you know, and a one-year-old baby will breastfeed when she, mother's there and eat solids when the mother's not there and drink from an open cup. Uh, it's just a whole different situation. And we're not even the best in the world. There are countries where... Um, mothers get, you know, three years maternity leave and 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 stipulations such as uh, a breastfeeding mother in the first three years of life, even if she returns to work before three years, is not allowed to do night shifts, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we we agree that our maternity care, our maternity leave, is appalling, and on top of that, is not pay, it's unpaid leave. That's right. That's right. One last thing before we go that I wanted to, because I see this being another just as obsessive as the the focus on the weight um, leading to formula feeding, the issue of jaundice. If the baby develops jaundice, that makes him or her a little more sleepy and has a hard time. Like, what is your best recommendations for moms who have a baby that has jaundice? Everything I just said. Uh, the thing is, if a baby gets higher than average bilirubin levels, that's the you know that's what causes the jaundice is the bilirubin. Uh, in the first few days, it's usually because the baby's not breastfeeding well. So that the baby doesn't need, and and, and we sort of you know get this idea that formula is the answer to everything. So the baby gets formula, the bilirubin comes, uh, the jaundice decreases, right? But that's not because there's something magical about formula. It's because the baby wasn't breastfeeding well enough. And so the first thing to do is not give the baby formula. The best first thing to do is to get that baby breastfeeding well. In fact, there's at least one study that came from uh, Italy that showed that breastfeeding babies actually have lower bilirubins in the first three days after birth than formula-fed babies. And that's because uh, breast milk is a laxative and makes the baby poop more, and the bilirubin that ends up uh, normally in the uh, gut is pooped out instead of being reabsorbed into the baby. So if a baby is breastfeeding well, then it doesn't matter if the bilirubin is whatever, uh, unless it's caused by something like a breakdown of red cells. That's a whole different story. But if it's the vast majority of babies who have a little bit of jaundice after birth, uh, it's because they're not breastfeeding as well as they could be. The long-term issue of a baby who is uh, breastfeeding exclusively and say at uh, a month has a bilirubin of, I don't know, 10 or 11, whatever, say even higher, 15. If that baby is breastfeeding exclusively and gaining weight well and there's no, uh, and drinking well from the breast and there's no obvious reason why this baby should have uh, a higher, uh, that sort of bilirubin, then it's normal. It's normal for exclusively breastfed babies to be jaundiced, not just for a few weeks, but actually for, you know, uh, three or four months. We have to make sure there's no liver disease. We have to make sure that the baby's not hemolyzing, that is breaking down red cells, 
but it's normal to be jaundiced. And we know now that bilirubin is an antioxidant. Everybody is hot on antioxidants. And so, again, this is an, uh, this is an example of we use the formula-fed baby as our model of normal. Mm-hmm. And formula-fed babies are rarely jaundiced at a month, say. Mm-hmm. But breastfed babies are not infrequently jaundiced at a month. So who's the normal baby? The normal baby is the one that's drinking what normal babies are supposed to be drinking, and that is breast milk. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jack, so much for being on the show today. This has been great. Thank you, Adriana. You've been listening to a Best of Birthful episode, and there are many more where this came from. Look for episodes with the words Best of Birthful in the title to continue your deep dive to inform your intuition. You can find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com. You can also connect with us directly on Instagram. We're at Birthful Podcast. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of Lantigua, Williams & Co. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Virginia Lora is the managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. Listen every week for more ways to inform your intuition.